Well, there's going to be lots of edits to this morning, so if you lose track when one person talks for too long of a, at, a, at a time, this is the Sunday for you. If you're new with us, we typically go through books of the Bible and teach, uh, teach through Scripture. Uh, we're in a series in Luke right now, the Gospel of Luke. But every year around this time, we hit pause and we, uh, we just highlight the idea of orphan care, and we take an entire Sunday just to direct our attention that way. Sonship, and, and built into that is daughtership is really a central theme to, to Scripture. And, and the way that all of us are brought into God's family is through adoption. When you read the, gospel or the, the Bible story from beginning to end, what you realize is this. Within the first few chapters of Genesis, because of the fall of mankind, it really turns the entire planet into a spiritual orphanage. That every one of us are left as, as really vulnerable children who grow into rebels because we don't have the care we need if it's not apart from the, the rescuing and redemption story that God brings into us by adopting us into his family. We've been talking about this subject each year for the life of the church. In fact, happy birthday, Neighborhood Bible Church. We are 13 years old today. Yeah, um, it's a little scary. We're teenagers now, all right. So that's that's a little frightening. We're going to learn to drive soon, which is kind of fun. It's kind of interesting and neat that that orphan orphan care Sunday has fallen on our birthday each year, and and the the reason for that is unbeknownst to anyone who helped start the church, we didn't set out to have this be a major thread woven through uh, through our story here at Neighborhood Bible Church, but that's what. That's what really has happened. A big theme for this morning is perseverance. To not give up. To keep going. And it's rooted in a theology of perseverance. I've been, I've been struck in my personal life and in just in my personal Bible reading how often we're told to strive and to keep at it. And how many conditions there are that this is going to happen if you hold on. If you keep going. So much of the reward is faithfulness. It's just showing up day in and day out. We're going to use this idea of farming throughout this morning, and it's, it's really a fitting metaphor for this whole area of foster care and adoption. If you want a quick fix that's super impressive, don't get into foster care or adoption ministry. It just isn't true. You have to plant a seed, and then how exciting is it? Kids, have you ever done an experiment where you plant a seed and you get to watch it grow? How boring is that? Like for a long time, you just stare at it and you look at it and nothing's happening. But things are happening, right? Things are happening, but, but they're unseen and they're very slow over time. So if you measure it in decades, incredible things have happened. And because we have 13 years to look back on, we're going to get to see some of that. Let me read this passage I started with one more time. It says this, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time... We will reap a harvest. Yay! If we will not, if we do not grow weary. And here's the next verse. It says, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let me tell you what's going to happen this morning. You are going to have an opportunity to do good. We are going to give you some really clear asks, some really clear next steps for you to say, here's where I am around this topic. Here's a next step that I could take. 
So we're going to look back and celebrate some of the things that God's done, but we're also going to look forward and see all that is yet to be done. While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Here's sort of the four silos that we talk about. When we talk about sort of orphan care at NBC, it has grown into this. Um, our, our outreach with Mexico and Grace Children's Home, we have a special bond with, with an orphanage down in Rosarito, Mexico. It centers around foster care. That's the second thing you'll hear about today. Uh, it also centers around this uh, teaching, training, and conference called Empowered to Connect, which is specifically targeted to those parenting or working with kids from a troubled background. And finally, it has to do with adoption. If you've walked with Christ for a while, you would, you would know this. Sometimes it's hard to put some of these things in terms, but we know that the Christian life is more than gathering for worship services. It's more than learning principles. It's more than studying. It's more than uh, singing. It's more than these different things. It is things like this. It's clothing yourself with humility. Waking up in the morning and clothing yourself with humility. It is anger at injustice. It's actually anger that stirs up and wells up from places we don't really can't even explain, but it actually moves us to get our tail off the couch and do something about it. Following Christ is mimicking the Father by considering other people's needs as more important than our own. And not just to those that we're sort of wired to love, those our children, our spouse, those who are right around us, but whole households at Christ's direction begin to see other households' needs is actually more important than their own household needs. Walking with Christ means welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. It is living out our role in the family that God is growing. Listen to how 1 Corinthians 4.20 puts it. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Everything I just talked about is, is just an absolute fool's errand if we don't do it by God's power. If you wake up and try to muster all the humility you can, you'll get tired very quickly, won't you? If you muster all the self-sacrificial, others-first thinking you can, that'll go great until someone cuts you off on the freeway and doesn't consider your needs more important than your own. You will tire out. It will sour unless it's done by God's power. You know, we won't experience any of these things if we are living and insist on living by our own power. Orchestrating our life so that we never have to rely on others, but our own self, robs you. It actually undercuts the life of faith. Here's what it leads to. It leads to self-reliance. Self-reliance is a prized commodity around this valley. And self-reliance gives birth to self-righteousness. Do you know the team Jesus opposed the most? Self-righteous. Those who were self-reliant for so long, they became self-righteous. And so this morning at the very start, I want to call out that it's God's sufficiency, not ours. It's God's competence, competence in this area, God's heart for this area, not our heart for this area. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, there's this idea of a letter of recommendation from Christ himself. And it's not ink being written on a, on, a, on a piece of paper. Rather, it is the Spirit written on the hearts of men and women. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. 
But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Church, it's so important that we reset our brains at the start of Orphan Care Sunday, that everything we're looking back and talking about is not to praise individual people. It's not to praise the ingenuity or the heart or the passion or the longevity of their service. It is to turn our attention to God and say, wow, isn't it just like everything we read in Scripture that God takes everyday normal people and turns them into what appears to be superheroes? Because their sufficiency isn't from themselves. It's coming from somewhere else. And that's really the highlight of this morning. You know, names matter. Any of you ever call your kid by the wrong name when you're angry or in a hurry? Has that ever happened? Okay, if you're an only child, you're like, I don't get it. What are you talking about? If there's more than one of you, chances are that happens. I can run through several names before I get to the right one sometimes. I'm like, you know who I'm talking about. Get over here. This was my childhood experience. I'm just passing it on. Names really matter. What we call things matters. And for the longest time, we called this Sunday, many people next Sunday are going to celebrate Orphan Sunday. And Orphan Sunday is something that, that started, I think, sometime even, maybe it was around the same time or, or around when we first started doing this. But we've never called it Orphan Sunday because Orphan Sunday reminded me of something I heard about other churches doing called Youth Sunday. Youth Sunday is one Sunday a year, all the youth got to be in the band, all the youth got to be up front, the youth got to help serve communion, the youth got to help lead in prayer. And I remember thinking as a youth pastor, that's nonsense. The youth are the church all 52 weeks of the year. We shouldn't have Youth Sunday. We should have them involved every single Sunday. I get that we're highlighting youth and all of that. But Orphan Sunday felt a little bit like that. We never just wanted to think about or communicate that former orphans were valued, wanted, or talked about one Sunday a year. So we always called it Orphan Care Sunday. Well, that name served us really, really well for a long time. But the more we thought about it, and the more we've sort of grown into where God has led us to, we are doing something this morning. So at the top of your notes section, um, you can cross off Orphan Care Sunday. We're renaming it today. On our 13th year, we're, we're, we're going to rename it. And it's a mouthful. I'm going to warn you. It's not as easy to say as Orphan Care Sunday, but it more accurately reflects some things that are going on. When you consider that years and years ago, we, we hung a bunch of, a bunch of uh, World Vision sponsorship cards all around the room. And in faith, this person said, most churches uh, do about 10% of their population taking a sponsorship card is really, really good. And so at the time, that would have meant that we had about 15 cards. Well, I'm a person of faith, so I thought, you know what? Give us 40 cards. Let's see if God will answer that call. And I remember standing right here, leading a worship song, closing my eyes, and we had a call to say, don't take a card unless you're committing to sponsor this child. And in the span of one three-minute worship song, I opened my eyes. Every card was gone. We had to ask for more. So to this day, many of you still do a Blanc sponsorship in Gowata, Ethiopia, where this little church has had an impact on 40-plus children in that region. Some of you have had kids age out of that. 
They've, they've, they've gotten married. We had one child that got married uh, and no longer was a part of the World Vision sponsorship. Not true orphans. Just vulnerable children who were in need. Uh, we also helped be a catalyst to start this movement called Foster the Bay in 2015. And Foster the Bay serves children who are not orphans. They're vulnerable. Some of them may be orphans by the technical definition. But genuinely, there's a wide variety of children, but we could label them quite easily vulnerable children. And then Empowered to Connect came along to help us think through and train and serve kids really, really well. And they weren't necessarily orphans, but they were vulnerable children. So you can see what the name's going to be. Here's what this Sunday is called now. It's called Vulnerable Children Care Sunday. I told you it was a mouthful. But it more accurately reflects what we're doing. It's not just that our eye is toward the orphan. The orphan, I think, is, the, is truly the point of the spear, the most vulnerable person on the, on the planet. But many are living as functional orphans. Many are living as temporary orphans. They have biological parents, maybe even in this city, but they aren't receiving any of the protection or any of the provision because they're working through their own stuff right now. So from this day forward for the foreseeable future as teenagers, we're going to call this Vulnerable Children Care Sunday. And Phil and Mindy Nemec, who took over uh, orphan care directorship, sort of a position we created about a year ago, uh, are going to have a, a, a name change along with that. I want to invite up uh, Cheryl Routon right now. And the first of sort of four areas we're going to get to hear about is from uh, just south of the border in Mexico and this incredible partnership we've had uh, relationship we've had with Grace Children's Home. So Cheryl's going to share about that. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Cheryl Routon. Um, my family has been part of Neighborhood Bible Church for just under nine years, I think now. Um, and I get the pleasure this morning of talking to you about Grace Children's Home. Neighborhood Bible Church has had a relationship with Grace Children's Home for a very long time. It's a very special relationship for us. Um, we actually began sending teams down um, at Valley Church. So literally more than 13 years ago, before our very first service, we were sending teams to Grace Children's Home. Um, my family started going down about seven years ago. Um, God's done some remarkable work in that time and with what started as a simple mission trip with our family you know take our kids down let them walk in somebody else's shoes for a while um what god has done with that is so much more um it's it's remarkable you're going to see a video um in just a minute or two it's from several years ago it's from about 2015 and i am very proud to tell you that three of the boys that you're going to see speaking um, and being in the video now live here in our home in San Jose, and I have the privilege of calling them my sons. Um, my firstborn child, my daughter Megan, also spent about eight months serving and living as an intern in the baby's home at Grace Children's Home. These are just my stories. Um, there are two other families who now live other places who were part of Neighborhood Bible Church who also adopted from Grace Children's Home. It's an amazing place. It's a special place. Um, and God is most definitely at work here. We have a special relationship with Grace Children's Home because it's a special place. Take a look, and I'll tell you a little bit more. It's fun. It's like a normal house, but you have more family, and you have a lot of fun. They always give me love, and they help me with something I need, and they will never let me go. Besides, I don't have my parents, but I have them like my family. 
So I wouldn't let them go because they're already part of my life. It's been fun living here. Uh, I haven't had any real like, needs. We have everything right here. It's good, you know, because you have everything, but sometimes you, you feel alone, you know. I'm in school, but it's worth it, I like it, and if school is gonna help me in the future, I'm gonna do it. When I grow up, I wanna be interior designer, fashion designer, and probably I wanna help, like, do reach out missionary. I would like to be a professional soccer player, but if I cannot do that, I'm, I wanna be a lawyer. I wanna become a Marine. I would recommend sponsoring the kids here. It really does make a difference. They're not blood family, but they're taking care of me, you know. I feel happy because I know there's people out there that look up for me, you know. And um, I just feel good to have them on my side. Because a child needs help. We need the money for education, our clothes and all that. And Christmas and every holiday, we send them letters and they reply back. And at first, when I'm gonna meet them, I, I don't know who are they, so then I get to meet them and it's fun to meet them. I don't see him very much, but I know that he's helping me. So that's all that I care, that he's helping me and I'm doing the best I can in school and here, in my spiritual life. Yeah, I'm gonna do my best. If he has the opportunity, he should do it because we should put ourselves in other people's shoes, you know. Do it for the Lord, especially. Do it for the Lord and for the love of the kid. So this video was obviously created for the purposes of child sponsorship, which is something that Grace Children's Home does. Um, but what I'd like to talk to you about um, today is the possibility of taking a team down, starting that up again. It's something that we've done in the past. Many of you are familiar with Grace Children's Home. Um, I'm very excited to tell you that a lot of you know that Grace Children's Home has worked with Yugo Ministries in the past for many, many years. It's a great organization. Um, it's a house-building ministry in northern Baja. Um, recently, Grace Children's Home has actually split ways with Yugo and is partnering with Catherine's Kids, which is a special needs orphanage in Rosarito. Some of you may know of Catherine's Kids or remember it. I stood up here last summer, um, and David, who was actually in this video, spoke about teams he was taking to Catherine's Kids. Um, it's an amazing place. It's a really remarkable place, and I can't tell you how excited I am about this change that's happening. Um, it's been... I am privileged enough to be down in Mexico to be in Tijuana about once a month now. And I've spent a lot of time at Grace Children's Home and at Catherine's Kids. And to watch what God's done in the past couple of years between these two orphanages and watch ties that slowly built and then to just see this happen um, is, is really remarkable. And what it's doing for us here at NBC is opening up some really great new opportunities to go down, to spend time, to serve these vulnerable children, um, both at Grace Children's Home and at Catherine's Kids. Catherine's Kids serves about 25 special needs children. Um, currently, they have the space and the funding already to expand, so they're going to be adding children very soon as well. 
So if you have any thoughts about this being something that you might be interested in doing, I would love to talk to you more about it. We can talk about what it would look like. There's a lot of possibilities and a lot of opportunities for us as a church and for the team that travels down there. We can spend time at Catherine's Kids. We can spend time at Grace Children's Home. We can interact with the kids. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. If that's something that's on your heart or that's a gifting that you have, there's a lot of ways that this can work. So if it's something you're interested in, on Sunday, December 15th, we're going to hold an interest meeting at 1230 here at NBC. Go grab lunch, come back, and let's talk about what those opportunities look like. You don't have to commit to anything yet, but I can tell you that, like I said, what started for us is something that was very simple, grew into God, like Dave said, just surrendering to God, letting God do what he does. I can tell you right now, I'll, I'll alleviate two fears that I know are floating around the room. The first one is, if you go down there, you do not have to bring three children back with you. I promise that. <laughs> it's okay. God may have different plans. That's okay. The other thing I'll tell you is that over the last year, I've spent a lot of time in Tijuana and a lot of time in Northern Baja. I've spent a lot of time on my own traveling around the city doing things. I've sat at taco stands after midnight with friends. I've never felt unsafe, never had a problem. We'll obviously be safe. We'll obviously take precautions, but I just want to let you know that's not something that should be concerning to you. It is a safe area to be. We will obviously not be going into the wrong neighborhoods, the wrong colonias. We will not be hanging out with narco people and things like that. Um, we will be safe. So it is something my children have traveled down there and we've never had any problems. So alleviate that fear. So if it is something you're interested in, um, this is very much God led. God has put these two ministries together. He's led us to say, hey, look what needs to be done. I can tell you when I'm down there and when I spend time, and even my boys have told me a lot of stories about how much teams mean, how much people coming throughout their childhood, the activities they did, the interactions they had, the fact that people took their time, which in this valley we know is more valuable than money to spend with them and to be with them and to show them that they cared matters. And when I walk into that orphanage now and those kids see me and know me, a lot of them want to know, when are you coming back? When are you going to hang out? What are you going to do? Who's coming with you? Are you going to bring a team again? They want it and they need it. And this is God telling us we need to do this. So December 15th, 1230, if you're interested. Thank you. All right, so that's Mexico. Uh, we just had an incredible relationship with, um, with this place. It's a, it's a very special place, and it's been a um, lot of ups and downs to it, a lot of changes in that. It's exciting that there are new fields of ministry that are, that are opening up for us there. So that's Mexico. Let me move on now to foster care. Uh, one of the things with foster care that's gone on with, with, is this. We, we got to be a part of the ground level of something really amazing called Foster the Bay, uh, and the way that that came about, uh, I won't even take the time to, to unravel, but, but it's been an incredible thing. And it started with uh, some real open-handed generosity of the elders here at this church. I was invited to be a part of this thing with two other people. Uh, we didn't have a name yet. We didn't have a model. We didn't have a vision. We had zero funding. But I told the elders this. I said, I'm not sure what this will look like, but it will look like this. I don't have time to do this as a hobby. I will have skin in the game. I will invest personal time in this. But I am asking you elders to take some of my paid hours that would pour into this church and give it away. And just, and just give it away. And we don't know how it's going to come back to Neighborhood Bible Church, if ever. Uh, but the whole idea was that we give it to the Bay Area. And they graciously said, yes, absolutely, let's do, do that. I have re-upped with them every single year that Foster Bay has been in existence, which we now are four years old as an organization. Um, and we have just joyfully seen God at work with that. 
Uh, two big things going on. Let me tell you Bay Area-wide what's happening. We started in 2015, fall of 2015, with five churches here in Santa Clara County. That eventually grew to where we moved into uh, San Mateo County. Uh, soon after that, we grew to be a part of things in San Francisco County. Many of the church leaders in San Francisco County said this, thank you for not skipping over us. Many Christian organizations figure that San Francisco County is just too dark of a place, too hard of a place. The gospel won't take root here. People won't do things. And so we get just skipped over. Thanks for not skipping over us. We've seen incredible movement of God around foster care and churches in San Francisco County. After that, we moved to Marin County. After that, we moved to Alameda County. Uh, we just this last summer grew to Santa Cruz County. And now we are in Sonoma County. Uh, is that incredible or what? Um, and here was the vision from the start. We said, wouldn't it be amazing if not one church or one organization got the credit, but what if it was just seen that Christians in the Bay Area were moving? The stars of this obviously is God, but it's working through the local church. If the local church piece ever goes away, I'm out of Foster the Bay in a heartbeat. It's not. It's at the very heartbeat of, of what we're doing. It is just incredible. Pray for Foster the Bay and the movement that's going on. It is a dark spiritual battlefield to enter into a place that the enemy has a stronghold, which is keeping people who are not in families away from families. You know what God does? He sets the lonely in families. There is a war going on. So be in prayer for that. As it relates to our church specifically, we had four families initially step into foster care for the very first time. All four of them have had placements. Uh, several of them have had very difficult placements. Two of them still have active uh, children in their home. The Collins family, Rob, who was just singing, and the Humphrey family. Uh, we do all kinds of things to support them. We want to continue to grow in supporting them. Uh, we just had a dessert in their honor where we sort of wrapped wrapped them with support friends and did some different things. What I want to do is right now show you uh, one of our latest videos from Foster Bay just to give you sort of a picture of the call moving forward even for our church. So let's watch this together. Do you remember those choose your own adventure books from when you were a kid? There were these points in the book where you were given a choice. You could go to the right, you could go to the left. Like you could choose the broad road or you could choose some narrow path that like led you down into some dark forest. You could choose to accept the help of some mysterious stranger or go on alone. I think one of the reasons why we liked those books so much was because it felt like a whole life was ahead of us. Like there was an endless number of possibilities. But I think another reason why we were drawn to those books is because as kids, so little of our real life was actually in our control. Someday, we would be the subjects in our own story. But for now, we were the objects of someone else's. And of course, at the time, we didn't really understand how the choices that were being made for us were gonna impact the kinds of choices that we could make for ourselves later. If anything, this is even more true for those who are growing up in the foster care system. These are kids with the same capacity for hope and adventure as you and me. But experiencing the trauma that led them to be removed from their biological family and then getting shuffled around over and over again sets these kids on a path that they didn't choose. And their stories can easily take a turn. In fact, youth in foster care are 43% less likely to earn a high school diploma, and only 3% will go on to earn a college degree. Half of the youth that age out of the foster care system will be unemployed by their mid-20s and a third will live on the streets. 
And according to the FBI a few years ago, 60% of the children that they rescued from human trafficking right here in the States had spent time in the child welfare system. Hearing these statistics, it's easy for us to think that the ending's already been determined for a child in foster care. But here's the truth. The child's story hasn't been written yet. The ending's not set. Because into this child's life comes a mysterious stranger. And all of a sudden, the trajectory of a child's life can be changed and new possibilities can emerge. Across the Bay Area, there are new stories being written. Foster the Bay is a coalition of churches committed to providing a loving home for every child in the foster care system. The reality is, is that right now there are more kids entering into foster care than there are homes that are ready to care for them. But as Christians, we know that the story's not over and we know that we have a role to play. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and declared a new chapter in God's unfolding story of love and reconciliation. It was good news to the poor. It was good news to the brokenhearted. And it was good news to the mistreated. And now we get to be that good news in the life of a vulnerable child. Foster the Bay helps people like you and me live out God's love for vulnerable children. And we do this in a few key ways. First, we raise up advocates who develop foster care ministries in their local churches. Secondly, we raise up foster families to provide loving, stable homes for children who have been abused or neglected. And then finally, we raise up support friends who provide emotional, practical, spiritual support for foster families, which helps them foster longer and better. For thousands of children in foster care, their stories aren't written, and neither is yours. Maybe your next great adventure is to play a role in making sure that every vulnerable child in your city has a place to call home. To learn more, visit fosterthebay.org slash get involved. Let me give you a really clear ask. Um, we are in need right now at Neighborhood Bible Church of four more active support friends to wrap around the Humphreys and the Collins family. So that could be a couple, that could be an individual, that could be a family. But we need four more active support friends to come and, and support them in, in all that that means. We actually have a job description so you can see what that entails. What we ask of our support friends is this, that you, that you give two active touches per month, one big and one little. They need spiritual support. They need physical support. Uh, they might need rides. They might need a meal once in a while. But you're working with a team of four support friends wrapping around each of our families. So, Kelly, raise your hand just for a second. Kelly's our advocate here, our Foster the Bay advocate. Come and talk to Kelly right after service so you don't forget. Uh, don't go to getinvolved.org. Go to Kelly instead. So, let me give you one more thing that's really exciting, and I'm so thrilled because I think it got pulled off with complete surprise, but God knew what he was doing in weaving this story into our church's history when more than 13 years ago, some people have been, were here at this building at the church that was here before neighborhood got started, and that's the Rose family. So Ron and Vivian, if you would come up for a second, they're glaring at me because I can only play this card once every 13 years. They're going to hate this, but they're going to have to deal with it because I love them and they need to be seen. Yes, Julie, get up here. Julie actually helped me pull this off. So Ron and Vivian, and this is their daughter, uh, Julie, and their son, Stephen, they are receiving today the Lifetime Achievement Award in foster care. And they were doing foster care for over a span of at least 10 years 
at least 25 placements. Uh, they began to do, they began to specialize really in infants and brand newborns. The county began to recognize that they could call on the Rose family in the middle of the night and just almost bypass some of the rigors and say, can you get down to the hospital in half an hour? So they would go and show up. They also began to specialize in twins, a placement that many, they have a hard time placing uh, kids like that. And they used to drive this big old crazy brown van that signified just the work and life they were doing. It so inspired us that we bought a van that, that, was, uh, that was there. So we have presented them. I asked Julie, I said, Julie, what is your mom and dad's favorite flower for a bouquet? And she goes, don't get a bouquet, get a potted plant. And so the Thomas family, who are lifelong friends with these guys, got them that. Um, and then they also love sushi. So we are presenting them with a gift card to, what is it called? Sushi Confidential in Campbell. Um, and, uh, and so we want to just bless you guys. Can you guys appreciate the Rose family? And with that, um, I'm going to have John Thomas just, just pray for them. Father God, we just thank you for Ron and Viv and uh, what you placed on their heart years ago, their heart for children, Lord. Uh, and Lord, I, I've watched them uh, with foster kids who help one child uh, events. I've watched them deal with difficult times and good times, Lord. But even in those difficult times, they never wavered. They persevered. And Lord, we just thank you for the strength you've given them and the heart you've given them for these kids. Because I, I know these kids personally from infancy to adulthood. And uh, though they have their own struggles at times, their life is much better because of these two people you put in their life. Lord, just continue to give them perseverance and, and the strength to, to help the kids uh, from this day forward and uh, let them be a light to all of us on the work they've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. All right. We have a baptism. We've heard about Mexico, and we've heard about foster care. Uh, we, have, we have two more to go, and we're going we're gonna to get them in, uh, crammed in. <clears throat> you know, as I go around and speak to other ministry leaders and pastors uh, about really, really vulnerable children care ministries being raised up in their church, one of the things that I let them know is this, that um, I'm not interested in going around. I'm going to be preaching at another church next Sunday, so I won't be with you. And we're not calling people to meet a need. We are, we are calling people to obey a command. Uh, really what I see this is, is one of the incredible means that God has used in our midst to make disciples. Every pastor I ever know is excited about making disciples. That's what Jesus told them to do. That's what they're on the mission of doing. And if they just see it through the lens of, I, we need to meet this need, they're missing the bigger, broader picture. One of my favorite orphan care Sundays, and we called it that at that time, so bear with me, was when we had seven different families sitting up on stage. And we were one of those families, and all seven of these families were mid-leap. They had left the safe ground of comfortable, known routine, and they were mid-air on this sort of adoption journey. Some of them were fostering, and they were going to try and adopt their child through foster care, and that's a 
quite a lengthy process. Some of them were doing international. Some of them were doing domestic adoption. And all seven of these families were willing to open up and share their heart and life and their fears and their struggles and the joys and just the roller coaster that they were on. And we as a church family got to wrap around and pray for and support these families. And as we were hearing from them and as I was looking at their faces, I thought, boy, as a pastor, I have had more late night tearful conversations with some of these individuals as they've just expressed their fear. And their discipleship, like my heart to disciple people in Jesus Christ, my heart to disciple people in this life of faith and to lean on the Holy Spirit that resides in them has just grown exponentially as God has led these families into some really wild territory. The other powerful, I guess, part of that was to see a church um, that didn't leave them hanging. It's really pleasing to think about each of those individuals, and many of them live out of state now. We have adoptive families that live in Idaho and uh, North Carolina and Washington State and Mexico, uh, and some of us that got to stick around here in the Silicon Valley. One in Virginia, I forgot the Monzos. So we've had a church that for years and years and years and years has said, we are with you in this, and we'll continue to be with you in this. When you read the scriptures, you see that there's some categories of people that get special notice, special priority. It's a bit like a fast pass at Disneyland. And the, the fast pass in the scriptures are widows and orphans and foreigners. Some of your translations calls it aliens. That's a little more exciting. Why, why do they get a fast pass? There's a lot of vulnerable people in the world, but... But vulnerable children get a fast pass. They're a special priority to the heart of God because they are so incredibly vulnerable. You know, more than writing a check, God's word challenges Christians to invite the poor and needy into our everyday lives. This looks different for each kind of different Christian, but it will certainly have this one thing in common. Ready? Here it is. It will change your current comfort level. Whether you are called to adopt or foster, or whether you are called to give yourself in a radical way to a family that is adopting or fostering, it will change your current comfort level. John the Baptist preached Jesus, and people were convicted, and they said this, what should we do? You know what John the Baptist did not say? Come to a Sunday school class. Go get some training. Read this book. He didn't say any of that. Here's what he said. In Luke chapter 3, he says this, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Share what is already in your hand. How many of you are waiting to say, when it's a good time, when I have some extra cash, when I have a little bit of free time, then I will get engaged. Nonsense. I pray God awakens all of us to say, what is already in your hand? John the Baptist said really plainly, you feel convicted to be a part of the kingdom of God? You have two shirts, give one away. You know what that means? You'll have less choice of what to wear tomorrow. If you want to have two shirts again, you got to buy another one. It'll change your current comfort level. When you share your food, it means you'll have less and it will cost you more. I just say this up front. It is going to continue 
as we do not lose heart in doing good, as we move forward, my, my former president of, of uh, San Jose Christian College, Bryce Jessup, says this, if I'm not dead, I'm not done. The man is over 80, and he's still going strong for the Lord. No such thing as retirement. If you're not dead, you're not done. God, what else do you have for us to do? We're not losing heart in this. I warn you, this is going to be expensive. This is going to be expensive for everyone involved, not those special super Christians who can, who can foster children for 10 years. Boy, I could never do that. It's going to be expensive for all of us. As we were teaching through Romans, we got to Romans 15.7. You know what Romans 15.7 says? It says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. The word welcome, we looked at this, is proslambano. Proslambano is a Greek word that says this. It means grant access to your heart. It's not welcome with a, a latte and a good handshake. It's welcome into your home. How did Christ welcome you? He welcomed you into his family. He welcomed you into his everyday life. He welcomed you to alter course. When we welcome the poor and needy, the vulnerable, as Christians, as Christ welcomed us, we don't welcome to sit with them for one hour on a Sunday morning so they don't feel so alone on a church service. Church, you are being called to obey this command, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Every single time we sing about and celebrate the great love that God has for us, we had a trigger that says, wow, there's still work to be done for people in this world who don't have families around them. You never outgrow your need for a family. Again, we have an endless supply of motivation. We have an endless fountain of resource to go, how can we possibly do this? Well, it's being done for and in and through us, so that's how. 1 John 3.17 says this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I've had a prayer for this church for a while now. And it's really been amazing to see how it has blossomed. But I hope that our neighbors continue to get wind of and see this reality. That this church is the place where abused and neglected and apparently unwanted children in our city become magically sons and daughters that are beloved. Would that the church in every local neighborhood, they're like, we don't know the particulars of what's going on, what their motivation is, but we see the peculiarity. The peculiarity is the unwanted in our city magically turn into beloved sons and daughters when they go into that building and do their little meetings. That's my passion. That would be a reputation worth fighting for and sustaining. Not for the glory of us, but so that it could show off the glory of God that's done that story for us. Here's what's powerful. As we have adopted children, and those of you who have, have just even added, whether it's been biological or through foster or through adoption, we have had to relearn parenting about six different times. 
People look at us and say, you have a lot of kids. You must know a lot about parenting. We do, but it's not because we have a lot of kids. It's because we've had to keep learning. Here's what's been so incredibly motivating to me. This church has mirrored that, what's gone on in our family. We have had to grow and learn how to use language, how to run programs, how to proslimbano, how to welcome in children from all these different stripes, such that Sunday school uh, teachers and leaders are careful about how they speak, recognizing that not everyone is just with their biological birth families, that God knits beautifully together families from all different kinds of ways. One of the tools that has helped us immensely as a couple, and then we began hosting this conference here at this church, is a video conference called Empowered to Connect. And one of the things that we said about two years ago was to say, we, we need our children's workers, we need our family workers to be mindful of some of the unique differences that, that a child that, that sort of had their life in a very traumatic state got a traumatic start to life. They have some unique challenges and some unique needs. And if I can sort of broad brushstroke it, it's this. It's an incredibly beautiful marriage of using grace and truth in our correction. Grace and truth in our parenting. Grace and truth and understanding in our leading of kids, whether that be in a Sunday school or a classroom setting. We've asked uh, many, of, many of you to, to go through this, and here's the ask this year. I want to show you a video in just a second that Kelly put together. We have people in our church, they don't have foster kids in their home, they don't have adopted kids. In fact, they don't even have children anymore of age in our children's ministry, but they are relearning how to be a Sunday school teacher for the sake of, of welcoming others in who need some special training. We are asking all of our family member, all of our family ministry people, hey, come and get trained in this. We'll pay your way for that. We will invest in that. So I want you to watch this video where some of the people who went last year shared uh, some of their thoughts on it. The one big takeaway um, that really impacted me was to be able to learn how the brain uh, works and how it gets developed uh, from a baby um, for the first few years and how they compare that and how they can teach you um, how a trauma on their lives can affect the development of the brain and how you can see the effects of that even when they are teenagers or when they grow up. Uh, I just thought it was really cool that a lot of the things that we learned there are just best practice in general for childcare. Um, you know, building relationships with kids, uh, having positive interactions with them, and just really getting the chance to know them and uh, letting them grow, which is just really cool. Training that Empower to Connect, to Connect gives you really shows you how important the relationship is in dealing with um, children who are either in the foster care system, my students in the classroom where I teach, or students in the Sunday school classroom, how having a relationship um, builds trust and builds um, community and allows you to then be able to work together toward, um, toward a good situation in, in the classroom or in the family. So 
So when I first heard about Empower to Connect, I thought, well, that's for people who are doing foster care or people who are um, involved with children that have been, um, you know, through trauma or through things like that. And in my family, we didn't have that right now. But then Ben Palm suggested that all the Sunday school teachers attend this conference because we will be working with, with children that are in the foster care system and that have been in, tra in traumatic situations. And I can't tell you enough how great it was to go to this conference and how many areas of my life I have been able to apply the things that I've learned. I really encourage everybody to attend to this conference. It's something that now that I know what it's all about, I wouldn't want to miss it uh, for anything in the world. Like I said, um, you get to uh, learn so much for what they're telling you, but the most important thing is to be able to put it into practice. And they give you so many areas that you can uh, apply in your own family uh, that is really beneficial. Well, I just think anybody should go. It doesn't matter if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you know young children, if you have siblings, I think going to Empower to Connect will help you to learn more about how to interact with them regardless of whether they're a foster child or not. So I think it's really applicable for anybody who knows a young child, which is most of the population. <laughs> So the big ask for Empowered to Connect uh, is just that you would consider attending, uh, and it's going to be in the spring sometime, probably April or May time frame, so um, it'll be an investment of time for sure. Let me just move on to adoption, and we can have the band coming up right now. You know, one of my Foster the Bay teammates, one of their children said this, oh, Foster the Bay, this was in the early years, probably two years in. They said, oh, Foster the Bay, that's the place where there's mostly moms and only a couple of dads. And what this child observed was this, there was a lot of women involved in Foster the Bay, but not many men. As I go around and talk to pastors, I am speaking often in church staffs. There's, there's a mix, but it's, it's, more, it's more male heavy. And what I've gotten from some of, my, uh, some of my male friends and just some of my male acquaintances is this. Of course, adoption and foster care is more of a women's thing. God put that nurturing instinct in them. And what it's, what it's sometimes used as is sort of a cast off to say that's a women's thing. We'll let the women take care of it. Let me speak to the men directly for a moment, young men and older men alike. I've been praying that God would awaken, not just in our church, but God would do a fresh awakening in our country of Christian men who say, well, of course women would care about this. There's that nurturing instinct that God put in them. Here's what I ask men. Where is the protector instinct that God has hardwired into you? Where is the provider instinct that God has hardwired into you? Does a child without a family need someone to nurture? Absolutely. But do you know what they need equally? They need a provider and a protector. So don't you dare cast this off as a women's thing and say, well, let them kind of drum it up. Let's lead the way from the provider-protector instinct that God has hardwired by design into us. Let's say that the fatherlessness going on on our watch that creates a myriad of opportunities for wicked people to take advantage of young people who don't have someone advocating for them, let's say that is not going to go unchecked on our watch. Not everyone in this room can or should adopt. 
Not everyone in this room can or should foster. What we realize really clearly at this church is that's not the only way to be involved. Here's a couple of handholds on this that you can that you can move forward with. God's done some incredible things in the past. We celebrate that. We glory in God and all that he's done. We also turn our attention towards the future and say, we're not dead, so we're not done. We're not losing heart. Here are a couple of action items around adoption that, that you could put into practice right now. Jot one down if it stands out to you. Stand with those who are adopting or fostering and give yourself in radical ways to rejoice with them in all they're rejoicing in, to weep with them in all they're weeping in, and to be a practical example and provision for the prayer you might be praying for them. One of the tools for that is being a support friend to a foster family. Here's another one. Commit to not be silent about this. Men in particular, raise your voice in your family, in your prayers, in your circles of influence, at school, at your workplace. Be a voice for this. Finally, if you're a Christian, work toward building a culture in your home that would be adoption ready. Do you know what it takes to be an adoption foster ready home? It's to do the hard work of insisting on humility as a culture in your home. It's doing the hard work of radical self-sacrifice. It's doing the hard work of relationally, of keeping your home relationally warm and safe. It's doing the hard work of laying down your routines and your habits and all the little comfies that we have and kind of can hold on to us and say, you know what, in the name of someone else, I'm going to be more flexible. So what if we just steered towards making our homes adoption ready? Whether God ever answers that that blessing or not, that's the call for us to live as Christians. And finally, I say this, that we are here for you. This church has proven to me personally. It has given us courage to keep moving further and further and further out the branch that goes, God, are you sure you've got this? This church has proven faithful that this isn't a flash in the pan social issue that they're excited about on feeling alone. We're here for you. That means this. We are ready as a church. We have room for one more adoption. One more foster child in our programs. One more in our homes. One more in our calendar. One more in our wallet. One more in our car. One more in our kitchen. There's room for one more. If God is nudging you that way, he has placed you in a church family that gets it. You are seen. You are wanted. You'll be supported. I want to commit to you that as long as God has me here helping lead this church, we will continue to learn and grow how to support families who are doing this even better. So that's going to take all of us. I'm going to keep barking about it, but it's going to take all of us to lean into that and press into that. Let me have you stand up right now, church. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss because we're out of time. The band is going to sing an incredible closing song called Good, Good Father, which just sort of encapsulates uh, our whole morning together. Um, Would you close your eyes and pray with me? We thank you, God, that we can call you Father. We thank you that you have revealed to us our name, our identity, that we are your children. 
God, we thank you that all that you're calling to us in the future is just us imitating our beloved Father. God, you didn't show us once for all how to do it and say, go do it. You are with us. You are instructing us and teaching us. God, as you parent us, would you lift our vision, God, to not only parent those that you've maybe blessed in our, in our biological realm, God, but to get a vision to see how we can rope others into our family. And God, by your grace, that you would lead them into your family. God, we love you. We thank you for the gift of being together. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, you're dismissed.